Well, would you take your copy of God's Word and open up with me this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And for those of you visiting with us, let me just share with you that we're involved this summer, Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, in a series we've called Learning from the Testimonies of Old Testament Men and Women. And this morning, we're going to look at the testimony of King Joash and what he would tell us about true revival. We're going to talk a lot about revival, about spiritual awakening, so it's important that we really define what we're talking about. True revival is an extraordinary work of God that produces extraordinary results. You, you, you go through the Bible and you go through history and you'll see some of those. One, it involves a wholehearted return to the Lord. Not a partial return, not a, a, a half-hearted return, but a wholehearted return to the Lord. Secondly, true revival always involves an overwhelming joy in the Lord. I mean, joy in worship, joy in living, joy of the Lord becoming our strength. Thirdly, real revival always involves transformed lives. There is a moral aspect of it. Lives are changed. Our level of living rises, and we are desirous to become more and more like Jesus. The fourth mark of, a, of an extraordinary work of God is that it will always lead to an excitement about sharing the gospel of Jesus. And when those four things happen, I mean, when there is a wholehearted return to the Lord, when there is this great joy in the Lord, when our lives are being transformed and being formed more like the character of Christ, and when we are sharing the gospel, it will result in many people being saved. Now, there have been those kinds of extraordinary works of God down through history. There was the first great awakening in, in America. It happened during the colonial days, in 19, eight, I mean, 1780 and 1790, and it involved the preachings of men like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, and God shook the colonies. And he moved, and there were great salvations, and, and the quality of life in, was enhanced greatly. And I want you to know, the foundation of a nation was laid in that awakening. And you could go through history and see it time and time again, the Welsh revival, the Korean revival, the revival in Indonesia. But if you want to learn about revival, the best place to go is to the Word of God. And there were in the Old Testament times where God did an extraordinary work 
that resulted in extraordinary results. One of the great revivals in the Old Testament happens during the time of King Joash. We're going to look at him this morning, but I, I think it's important to understand the, the, the context of what we're going to look at. Joash's grandfather, Manassas, reigned over Judah for 55 years. His reign was a wicked reign. In fact, of all of the evil and the bad kings that rose to the throne of Judah or of Israel, Manasseh was the most wicked. He led the children of Israel away from the Lord and to the worship of worthless pagan idol gods. He built altars all over Israel where people would come and they would worship the Baals and the different gods and he erected an idol to Moloch. And there Manassas led the children of Israel to offer child sacrifices to that evil, godless idol. And then uh, Josiah's father, uh, Amnon, reigned for two years. He was so wicked and so evil that, that it says in verse, uh, in chapter 33, that he, uh, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord as Manassas, and it comes on down and it says he incurred guilt more and more. He was so wicked that his own servants killed him after he'd only served two years. But Manassas and Amnon had led the, 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 the people of Judah far astray from the Lord. In fact, if you go back up into, into chapter 33, verse 9, it says, Manassas led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. Can you imagine? And it's in this backdrop that Josiah becomes king. He's eight years old when he becomes king. And when he is 16 years old, the sparks of revival began, which will fan into a flame of spiritual awakening in Israel. So, so, there are some things we need to learn from, from King Joash about what's involved in true revival. I think there are five things that he would tell us. Number one, he would tell us that real revival begins with a heart hunger for the Lord. When Josiah was 16 years old, 
he began to seek the Lord. I want you to read with me here in 2 Chronicles uh, 34, starting verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. He did not turn aside to the right hand or the left hand. And here's why. For in the eighth year of his reign, eight years old, eight years of his reign, he's 16 years old, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. Here is Josiah. He has followed the wicked reigns of his grandfather and his father. He has seen the devastation that it has brought to the people of God. In fact, God has pronounced that he will judge Judah with the Babylonian captivity because of the sin of Manassas. And even at the end of the good reign of Josiah, God says, I have blessed you, and you have brought life to my people, but I'm still going to judge them because of the sin of Manassas, the killing of innocent life without regard. And so Josiah comes. He's 16 years old. How many of you are 16 years old here this morning? Any of you? Right here. Can you imagine your age? Here's a young man. And what he wants more than anything else, to seek. What does that mean? To know God. To know Him intimately. It's like Philippians 3.10, where Paul just kind of bears his heart and lets us look on the inside what made him tick and he and he said here's here it is that i may know him and paul writes this after he has been a, a follower of jesus for 30 years and after god has used him mightily and he writes to the philippians and he says when i wake up in the morning what I desire more than anything else is that I might know Jesus more and better than I've ever known him before. And when it says Josiah began to seek the Lord, it means that, that he wanted to know God intimately. It means that he began to turn his life in a commitment to the Lordship of God over who he was because he begins to seek the Lord when he's 16. When he becomes 20, he clears the land of Judah of all of the rivals of God. You, you, you go on and, and it, it says that, that he was a boy. He began to seek the, the God of, da of, uh, of David, his father. And in the 12th year, when he's 20, 
he, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and the carved images and all of the altar. And what he simply did is he, he just tore down everything that Manasseh and Amnon had done to lead the people of God astray. I always go, if you seek God, you have to lay aside anything that rivals him for the preeminence in your life. Whether it's your sports, whether it's your job, whether it's your home, whether it's making money, you have to lay it aside if you're going to seek God. And I want you to know with all of my heart that nothing happens. Nothing happens unless in genuineness and sincerity of a whole heart you seek after God. In, in fact, in 2, 2 Kings 23 verse 5 just gives you a synopsis description of what was happening inside of Josiah as he was seeking from the Lord because it says there of Josiah that before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with his whole heart and with his whole soul and with all of his mind. Jeremiah was a prophet during the days of Josiah. Now, Jeremiah is later going to have the harsh task after Josiah dies, Jeroboam becomes king, that he's going to have to be the messenger of judgment. But in the midst of that, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes something, and I think it comes from his heart and God's heart about Josiah. Jeremiah 23, 19 says, or, yeah, 29, 13, Jeremiah said, you shall seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's what Josiah was doing. The greatest verse on revival that we use expresses that same kind of hunger for God. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you can't seek God and seek yourself at the same time. Unless you come to the place that you say, God, unless you do something, nothing will happen. We want you more than we want anything. We want your presence. We want to be overwhelmed in awe and astonishment of you. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, cry out to me, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. And so the question is, 
What are you seeking? What's the driving ambition of your life? What's the hunger? When you wake up in the morning, what will you want more than anything else? I want you to know true revival will only come when there is a wholehearted hunger for Because true revival only comes when, as the Bible describes, God comes to his people, God visits his people, God draws near to his people in the manifestation of his presence as majesty and his might. But it begins with a wholehearted hunger for God. The second thing that Josiah would tell us about real revival is that true revival is marked by a, 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 a new passion for God's glory. You, you go on in, in 2 Chronicles 34, <coughs> and during the, the reign of Manasseh and Amnon, the house of God, the, the temple, had been ignored and it had fallen into disrepair. Here's Josiah. He begins to seek God. He wants God more than anything else, the presence of God. He tears down every rival. And now he is moved to restore the temple. You, you, you read in, in verse 8, it says, Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent uh, Saffron, the son of uh, Azaliah, and, and uh, all these other guys, to repair the house of the Lord his God. You know why he does this? He's not going to spare any expense. He's going to give money upon top of money upon top of money, get the most skilled workers. He's going to commission them. They're going to replenish, restore, revive the house of God because the temple stands for the preeminence and the glory of God in the midst of his people. It's in the temple that they are to come to worship him. It is in the temple that the Shekinah glory of God, the Holy Spirit, dwells in the midst of the people of God. And it is Josiah's desire that God's presence will be exalted in Judah and in Jerusalem that God will be central in everything that they do. Do you know that that zeal for the glory of God is to be a driving factor in our life? In John 2, you remember the story where Jesus comes to the temple 
and you have all of these money changers. You have these folks doing business, making a profit. I mean, folks have got to buy, uh, have an offering, and they come and don't have an offering. This guy said, well, i got a turtle dove, and, uh, and I'll sell you. Now, turtle dove doesn't cost much, but he charged this exorbitant price. Or someone would come and they'd want to bring an offering, but they come from a, 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 a Cyrene. Or, they, or they've come up from a, a Caesarea. And so they've got foreign coins and they've got to exchange it for Jewish coins for the offering. And so they charge them an exorbitant price. And Jesus sees this. Now I want you to know there is a righteous wrath. There is a godly anger. And Jesus has it. So much so that he takes a whip and he goes into the ports where they're doing this. He kicks over the table and he takes a whip and he drives them out. And he says, You've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And as the disciples watched it, they were reminded of the prophecy of the Messiah that he was consumed by a zeal for God's house. Now listen to me. You know what happens when real revival comes? The primary concern of the gathered people of God is the glory of God. You know what happens when true revival comes? You leave church and you don't talk about, um, that was an interesting Sunday school lesson today. And you don't leave saying, boy, that was great singing today. Or, uh, boy, I really like that sermon, or you pick it apart. No, you know what you do when real revival comes? And the people of God gather in the power of the Holy Spirit to worship the true and the living. You leave saying how great and is our God. You, you speak of the grandeur of God, the glory of God. You talk about what a wonderful Savior Jesus is. You talk about what it means for God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to your heart. It's all about Him and His glory. The third thing that Josiah would tell us is that true revival always flows from the powerful proclamation of the Word of God. While the temple had been displaced by Manassas and by Amnon, fell into disrepair, the Word of God was ignored or superficially heard. And so, Josiah begins the rebuilding, replenishing of the, the temple. And, and Hilkiah, the, the chief priest, goes in and he comes to Saffron, the secretary of the king. And he said, I found the book. I found the book. 
57 years. They hadn't had the book. And Hilkiah gives it to Saffron, and Saffron takes it. And he comes to Josiah and said, we found the book of the covenant. And he began to read it to Josiah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Josiah sets and he listens, and it becomes the watermark point in his life. And after he hears the word of God, he assembles all of the people, and he stands before them, and he reads the word of God. What if I said to you today, you come to church, and I'm just going to read, starting at, at, at uh, about 11 o'clock, Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when we're through, we're going to give an invitation and let you do what God told you to do. You say, you're crazy. <laughs> but can I tell you something? Real revival comes from God speaking And God's people hearing his word. It's just not saying, I believe the Bible. But it's receiving it with meekness. God using it to stir our hearts to return to our first love. Allow the Word of God to reshape our lives, reshape our marriages, reshape our homes, reshape our church. The Word of God came. It changed everything. Because it led to the fourth thing that Uzziah would tell us, and that is if true, genuine revival comes, It'll be marked by deep conviction and genuine repentance. I, I, I want you just to, to hear what happens when uh, Shofran read the king, the word of God. It's in verse 19. It says, And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. The tearing of the clothes in the biblical day is a sign of anguished repentance. It's just not saying, I'm sorry. It is being brokenhearted before God. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah and all of the rest, uh, uh, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the word of the book that has been found 
For great is the wrath of God that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord uh, to do according to all that is written in the book. Here is Josiah, and he repents. It's a personal repentance, and it is a corporate repentance. God the Holy Spirit brings conviction through the Word of God. Before we came in here this morning, a group of men gathered back in the conference room just to pray. And I asked them to pray one thing today, that God will take His Word and speak to heart. Doesn't matter what I say, but that God, the Holy Spirit, would take the Word of God and speak to the hearts of people. And when that happens, there's going to be conviction that leads to repentance. Repentance of sin, repentance of complacency, the confession of unfaithfulness, the confession of disobedience. There is no revival in history that has happened without repentance. Because repentance values being right with God more than anything else. In the early 1970s, revival broke out at the Castle Hill Baptist Church in San San Antonio, Texas. Jack Taylor was the uh, pastor. And it was a part of what God was doing across America, the Jesus movement and revivals and youth movements that saw millions of people come to know Jesus. And you know how revival broke out at Castle Hill Baptist Church? Taylor had been preaching on revival Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and nothing happened. People sat and listened, nodded their heads in agreement, and left, and nothing happened. Brokenhearted, he came to the pulpit. And he preached what has to be the shortest sermon ever preached, just three words. He stood and he cried out, Repent, repent, repent. And God the Holy Spirit began to move. They gave the invitation. And the invitation went into the afternoon as people came and desired to be right with God more than anything else. As they confessed sins, as they went to others and made broken relationships right, as they, as they said, we just want to be a people pleasing to God. Why is that important? When we're hungry for the presence of God, 
when we're driven by a passion for the glory of God. When we have ears to hear the word of God and hearts to receive the word of God. And God began to take everything in our lives that keep us from knowing the wonder of his presence out of our lives. It brings to the fifth thing that Josiah would tell us is that revival, real revival, results in a fresh joy in our salvation. You come over to chapter 25, or chapter 35, and it says in verse 1, Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month. Here, the temple of God has been ignored. The salvation of God has been ignored. And Josiah's heart has returned. He's bringing the people with him. And they celebrate the Passover, which celebrates God's mighty, saving, redeeming power, bringing the children of Israel out of bondage by the slaying of the Passover lamb. And every year the Jews were to keep it, and they were to rejoice in God's salvation. That hadn't been happening. Josiah does it, and he does it in such a way. He holds no experience. He has a great Passover for all of Judah, so that verse 18 says, there had not been a Passover like it since the days of Samuel. Not David, not Solomon, no one else. Hear the exalting of God's salvation. I want you to know a revived church is full of joy and power as Jesus is exalted and worshiped. And in devotion. Jesus is loved and he's served, he's central. We say, like, like John the Baptist, I must decrease, but he must increase. And all that matters is we exalt Jesus. True revival is always marked by a church that is excited about sharing Jesus. It's not what we do out of duty. It's just that we're walking so close to him. He's working so deeply in our lives. We stand in such awe and wonder that we can't help but talk to people about Jesus. And a revived church is a fruitful church because people are being saved. Lives are being changed. Relationships are being made right. Wrong relationships are being made right. Marriages are strengthened. Lost people's lives are just turned around. Let me ask you, You want that kind of revival?
me be honest with you. It was a great church. And you just come to church every Sunday and go through the motions. You just go out and just live complacent Christian life. I mean, you get involved, you you committee things, you know, you do all that, you do all the activities. But it's just kind of business as usual. And there won't be a lot of people, a lot of people who win saved. Look me. Do you remember the days when you saw a lot of people being saved? What was going on? It was all about Jesus, wasn't it? 